A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. Like Billy Painter's goals, a goal, anniversaries come along like buses. So it's happy second birthday to our podcast today, and congratulations to Simon Grayson for three years in the Leeds job. And happy 80th birthday too. Welcome to podcast number 42 and a very happy new year to you. We're into January and the transfer window is open. It's a very exciting time for all Leeds United fans. More on that later. But joining me to share in all the thrills and spills are Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Doddy. Hello. Uh, issue six of the magazine will be out for the Ipswich match on the 21st of January. That will be on sale at Ellen Road and you'll be able to get it either in its paper format or as a digital download via the squareball.net. Is it finished yet? Yes. We've had weeks Could- to do it and we still haven't started it. <laughs> Part one then is white watching. We've got four matches to cover. The away trips to Derby and Barnsley, the home match against Burnley, plus our trip down to the capital to face Arsenal. All right, first one, Boxing Day. Derby won Leeds nil and a very sluggish Boxing Day performance. Aren't they all? I was quite sluggish on Boxing Day, to be fair. Were you being asked to perform? I can't divulge that information. <laughs> we never seem to do very well around Christmas in general. Winter as a whole isn't kind. And we don't finish seasons well either no. in the spring. Start them all right. Not this year, but normally the starts are okay. Like, was it, it was Leicester we played last year, wasn't it? Is it something we like did that? play them last year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we played very well at Leicester last year, I thought. We were two up and then... We drew two all last year. The main thing I the main thing I remember about the Leicester game was that I was watching had it on the radio while I was watching um what's that Disney film where the princess is alive in New York. How have you t- managed to turn Derby County into a story? <laughs> a Disney story. Well, just, I was I was watching watching both. Um well listening to the leads and watching watching that princess. Were you alone? Um, my parents were in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> but they're used to that. Derby. <laughs> Derby There's County. no princesses in Derby. What, what was the analogy about this princess and Derby County? There wasn't one. It, it was, it was just, watching Leicester last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was more interesting than the, than this game. This seemed like a just... I mean, even the the goal, wasn't it? In the, like the 61st minute or something, which is just a typical kind of... It's fair to say nobody, yeah. nobody but Eddie Gray thought we'd score. I know, I know what you mean. I think actually. Eddie Gray still thinks we'll win this. <laughs> I know what you mean, Moscow. Like it came sort of fairly late in the game. You always knew we were going to lose as soon as it went in, and write it off. Go back to turkey curry and turkey sandwiches. Well, the, the weird thing is that um, 
Frank Fielding, Derby's goalkeeper, seems to think that he's never faced a team like it, as if it was Pele, Beckenbauer and Cruyff were all peppering his goal in the second half and he emerged. Did he days. say did he say that we were the best team that among they faced? The best. Yeah, among, among the, the best. best. Among the best twenty four or so, twenty three, maybe. Yeah. I, I suspect, you know, three points in the bag take the piss now can't he and say what he wants or he was being nice because he was on loan with us very briefly in 2009 did he play I don't think so no well maybe he's, he's probably still bitter all the Ankergren played did Alan Martin play no sure. okay <laughs> never played David Lucas did he get a game I'm trying to think of people that got a game out of Frank Fielding that would make him make him hate us so and say such nice things well, he was on the bench when uh, Handsome Higgs was out with an injury, I seem to recall. Oh, OK. Um, yes, yeah, very typical Christmas fair from Leeds. At least we hit our slump a little bit early, get it out of the way, so now we can concentrate on the run-in. Well, the hope was go to Barnsley, pick it up again, everything would be beautiful and fine. It's worth saying, on the last podcast, I did say I fancied us to win this, but I did change my mind completely once Snodgrass was out injured. Not just injured, horrifically wounded. <laughs> we'll come on to that later. Which, which ward was he in? I presume you went to see him. I didn't find out which ward it was, but I just stayed at the gates with the flowers and then um, in the bins looking for his appendix. (laughs) Unsuccessfully. We can make something. (laughs) We can clone him. It's like Jurassic Park. Oh, no particular plans for it. I thought it would look nice on the mantelpiece. Not a good day at the office, this one, was it, at all? It's never a good day in Barnsley to start with. No, I mean, New Year's Eve... You can bracket Derby becoming a bogey team. Barnsley now have become another bogey team. How many more do we need? Well, 5-2 last year, 4-1 this year. So definitely 3-0 next year anyway. We're improving. Well, I like the logic. What does that mean? The year after that, they'll get two and we'll get minus one. Don't try and be clever. <laughs> not, especially not when numbers are concerned. But it was only 1-0 at half-time, wasn't it? And we had a fighting chance. But as soon as we went behind, you just know, don't you? Well, we got rid of their best player. Our best player injured him, and that that was supposed to be the uh, the way we would kick on and solve a problem like Barnsley. Get this, rid of this is Butterfield, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they weren't very happy about it either. Were they? No, mm, it's almost like almost <laughs> like Michael Brown was sent out to do it on purpose. And if he was, he's been known to. If he was, he did a good job because Butterfield's out for the whole season. So the job's I was quite open. Do it to Omri actually the other day just to put a, a very sharp end to all this. Uh, can we call it? Mania. A wank fest? Wank fest, mania. Yeah, that's fine. Wank fest is reasonable. Uh, it was, yeah. We'll, well, we'll get onto that in a minute. But yeah, Barnsley. Another different kind of wank fest. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were all right until they scored and then it just fell apart and you could see they were going to score time and time again. The defence seemed to just stop tracking runners. I think one of Vazte's goals, I can't remember which, he seems to have scored about 14 against us this season. <laughs> O'Day just basically left him. He ran mm. around the outside of him and he went... Oh, I'm not going to catch him there, am I? Yeah. It's New Year's Eve, just thinking about tonight. That last one as well, it just sailed over Connolly's head. He kind of jumped. And then we saw him there, he's got the ball. Well, I could try and track him back. It's already 3-1, 4-1 made a difference. And the the second half goals as well, it struck me that they scored in 51, 61 and 72 minutes. It's like almost every 10 minutes on the dot, a goal against Leeds United. Not good. Disappointingly as well, I've, the last two years I've been to Barnsley, I've seen them score... Um, Nine, and I was only scored once because I left before the end again. So I missed our goal, <laughs> much as I missed Summers last year. That was the only good point. Becchio with a, an old style, rising like a salmon, tipping it over the goalkeeper. Absolute route one, dead ball goal. But And what do you think to the team selection? Uh, Verinen, 
Verinen, however you want to pronounce it, and Both of them. Yeah, <laughs> him and his brother. Uh, in for Clayton and Snodgrass, along with uh, El Principito. Good move, bad move? Bad. Look at the result. The result. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Clayton's kind of gone off the boil a bit after he was so modern and young in the first few months of the season. So I can sort of understand the idea of giving a rest and see Verinen and give him a go, because we signed him, we may as well play him. Didn't work. Nunes, it's hard to see what Nunes is actually for week by week. He's becoming less and less kind of... Relevant, he's not, is he? Yeah. He's a winger, we know that. He's he needs a good couple of months out of the team before people start thinking he's good again. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the selection against Barnsley and then again against Burnley has got a slight desperation feeling to it. It's got a, a look of someone on the Krypton factory or something trying to do a puzzle and the clock's ticking down and they, they know they're not going to do it so they just start throwing pieces together and in the hope <laughs> that it's going to be all right. It doesn't help that all our um, defenders seem to be getting injured and they all seem to be getting bangs on the head if it's not O'Day that's got a bang on the head Lees has got concussion and then and then when he did name the, the defence against Burnley and he's taken the drastic step of bringing Alex Bruce back and putting him at right back 20 minutes in and now Kisnorbo's injured so it's like he can't even stick to his first zany game plan <laughs> but with, after 20 minutes he's got to come up with another zany game plan and there's only so many zany game plans you can have before you lose the zany game There was a weird atmosphere going into the Burnley match wasn't it it did feel like Grayson's last stand maybe that was just due to the flurry of internet activity and the run up to it but and well Bates as well heaping pressure on uh, on Grayson a little bit the the, uh, the tones of the voices on Yorkshire radio as well it was all kind of big day at Elland Road for Simon Grayson not even just our Leeds United going to beat Burnley it's a serious situation for Grayson at Elland Road dong dong hear wolves howling in the background and he shoved it up the bollocks as Roy Keane would say only just though the uh, 97th minute goal it's a fine art is the shoving up of the bollocks <laughs> Obviously, we brought Townsend in to this game. He made a real difference. I mean, we will talk about him in the next bit, but it, it was evident from the start that he's got that touch of quality, something we've been lacking since Gradle was unceremoniously packed off to St Etienne and the money was trousered. It was nice to see a defence actually worried about us because the previous couple of games, the defence had just sat there and thought, well, the worst case scenario, Danny Pugh might run at me. He's not very quick. Danny Ramon Nunes, he's got, only got one leg. <laughs> so just show him towards the the one that's missing. Danny Pugh's not going to get many fullbacks sent off, especially not in the no. first half. Townsend did proper mug that right back yeah. twice, which was uh, quite funny. But it showed him a bit of a premiership class. He knew how to draw those tackles in and just mugged him, pretty much like we did Burnley on the whole. Well, it sort of made the game a bit more difficult because they immediately had 10 behind the ball and then it's like, oh, we, we need a creative player now. And he's, he's in hospital. <laughs> It was interesting to see Zach Thompson in midfield, uh, shifted himself to right back, didn't he, after Paddy went off and they jigged all the pieces around. I think um, Grayson told him to go there. I'm not sure he, if, <laughs> if Grayson's zany game plan was so out of sync that Zach Thompson had to take himself to right back. Grace, I don't know, I'm being sacked. You do. You sort it out. We're not having a right back. Leave it. <laughs> sort it out amongst yourselves, yeah. lads. Yeah. Go on. I felt- You're all professionals. I felt sorry for him being put in midfield in the first place, but then to have to move so early on, I thought, oh, poor lad, don't know what he's doing. He looked across at the uh, at the dugout, Grayson's just in the back with a bottle of brandy. <laughs> <laughs> it was great getting into the last minute, wasn't it, to see the equaliser go in. And then, I'm, you know, not a believer in destiny and fate, but it was particularly satisfying. I'm uh, a believer in karma for that goalkeeper, yeah. the time-wasting <laughs> prick. <laughs> <laughs> to see us get the winner so late on. Under normal circumstances, nil-nil with Burnley probably would have been fine. 
Austin's goal was just like, I think there was a defensive mistake, but then he took it so early from outside of the box. It's like, not, not really anybody's fault. But because of all the um, massive pressure that had been heaped on it, those last few minutes, it did feel Grayson's going. He's going. And then, yeah, the own goal and 97th minute. Yeah, it's especially um, good if, when the injury time was announced, you elected to put £2 on the uh, Leeds United win um, at 70 to 1. <gasps> You'd win big money there. No, hold on, it was 36 to 1. I got 70 quid. Ah, close enough. The fantastic yes. good news. It, in less good news, I won big money on the Barnsley game. All right. Because I was in such a pessimistic mood before the game, I, backed, I put £20 on Barnsley to win. I put £10 on them to win minus one, starting at minus one and £5 on them to win starting at minus two, which returned £170 all in all. Well done. Makes me look small beer. I actually repeated the same bet for Burnley, so that did lose me some money, but I wasn't too bothered about that. I just spent all my winnings on heroin anyway. So, Fair <laughs> so that concluded the league games. Uh, we now find ourselves in eighth, just a point off the playoffs. And everyone says about it being an unpredictable division, very much ringing true. We looked dead and buried and plummeting towards relegation. Grayson was going to be sacked and... You know, we're, we're sitting okay, aren't we? Primed for a second half of the season run into uh, into the finish line. With all these great signings we're going to make in January. Well, let's talk about that in a bit. Before we do that, move on to the cup game. Arsenal. Um, sorry, no, sorry. Uh, Thierry Henry. Did he just play on, on his own? Is that what happened? I can't. Yeah. Henry won some other team nil. Yeah, Arsenal won Leeds nil. You don't mention the children that he, he healed. Yeah. Before, before I, did, I did send a tweet out about that, um, about revisionism. Just the did, burning orphanage. Yeah, did he swoop down with his cape flapping in the wind and save a, a, a woman and a child from a, a burning building that was probably started by us fans? Yeah. I believe he did. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened, isn't it? Yeah. And we might have played a football game. I can't remember. ESPN um, matching those high standards set by uh, ITV in terms of uh, one-dimensional <laughs> broadcasting. They'd already got Leeds fans' backs up by moving the game to Monday night and then coming up with that pissy excuse about there being a some transport problems in London as if there aren't always transport problems And as if, and problems as if there aren't always tra- transport problems getting back from London well, after such a late game. Yeah, <laughs> Monday nights are very easy. They, they, clear all the, they clear all the dung off the streets of London at eight o'clock at night <laughs> so you can move around more freely than you can on a weekend. So the, so they weren't, they weren't too popular in Yorkshire before electing to have Robbie Savage as the co-commentator. And fans' favourite, Martin Keown, of course, always loved by opposition fans. Y- yes, and particularly popular with uh, Mark Viduc as a big a big fan of uh, of Martin Keown's neck, if I remember rightly. And yes, and then so get this toxic combination of, uh, can I use the word and then um, probably with a bleep and then stick them right in front of the Leeds fans. I don't Nothing think can possibly go wrong. The presenter wasn't that bad, was she? She was fine. Well, she did um, right at the end, apparently. Uh, Rebecca Lowe. That's she name, congratulated Arsenal on progressing to the fifth round of the FA yeah. Cup, which was a little bit, showing a little bit of favourite. To be fair, she'd been barracked by the, the chant, get your tits out for the lads and hot dogs and coins I think that in would, between times. That's one of the things that annoy me about Savage's... Um, post-match crying was he saying I can't believe you were throwing hot dogs at that and swearing at that nice young lady what makes you think anybody was throwing hot dogs and swearing at her when you're sat there you massive bellend who would be (laughs) barracking this lovely butterfly when there's a dirty grape whatever he is he's an Afghan hound Afghan hounds are sweet-tempered animals I don't know what Robbie Savage is a mutant Afghan hound (laughs) Just draw the line. Well, the mutants, Martin Keon. <laughs> <laughs> the line as well for Robbie Savage is getting redrawn all the time because he's always, particularly even more so after, from, since he's been on Twitter, 
being, oh, I made it for the banter, made it for the banter. Oh, you can't say that. But the, the line was initially people slagging off his dad and stuff, which I think, fair enough. Bread, <laughs> simple bread and meat, <laughs> and I don't believe, thrown in his general direction. I don't believe all this hoo-ha about hot dog gate, because have you seen the prices at the Emirates Stadium? Yeah. We are from Yorkshire, we do not pay... That, those sorts of prices for hot dogs. Maybe that's why there were reports of coins as well, because it was decided it was cheaper to just throw pounds <laughs> yeah. Than, yeah, than bread. Bundles of £5 notes. <laughs> yes, yeah, again, I- Savage managed to make... If it, if the Arsenal against Leeds wasn't going to be about Thierry Henry, it was going to be about Robbie bloody Savage. I, I have to just go back to the point on Savage, that you're absolutely right. He's fine with the, use his air quotes, banter, as long as he's in control of it and he gets to set the boundaries. But as soon as it moves outside his comfort zone, that's it, toys out of the pram. Oh, you're all you're all animals, you're all idiots. But it's like, hang on a second, you've spent... You know, I've not, I've not forgotten the FA Youth Cup final in 1993. It was him that scored the penalty, wasn't it? And he went wheeling away in front of the cop, giving it the, the windmill arms and stuff like that. That was at the very start. And he bookended his career at Pride Park... Uh, by doing exactly the same thing against us last season. So my first and last memories of Robbie Savage as a footballer are of him being a wanker, right? So he spent a full career doing this. And he's surprised when people start barracking him and doing things that he doesn't like. The man is a tosser. Good. That's that. Seconded. There was a game, though. Let's talk about the game briefly. Speaking of people who aren't tossers, Andre Arshavin might be my new favourite footballer. He was our best defender, wasn't he, on the night? absolutely superb. You talk about Nunes being wasteful. This was, I've never seen anything. It was the second half, I was, every time he got the ball, shoot! It was yeah. a wonderful, and you knew, it was It was almost trying to, just, to bet in advance how far wide it was going to go. He yeah. cleared the south stand at Leeds last year, and then he seemed to be having a good go for aiming at the south stand at Leeds this time. I can't think of Arshavin without, apart from Ask Arshavin on his website, yes. which is genius and you should look at it, is the video that he put together for the World Cup bid. I don't know if you saw that. You know when England uh, were in and the whole hoo-ha with FIFA? Part of their bid video was, I am just a simple peasant. I live on potatoes and bread and we need football in this country. It was just like that. Awful well, that was story. Arshavin yeah. saying that? Yes. He's not a simple peasant, he's a millionaire. No, that's what he was saying. He Can't was saying kick a ball though. straight, yes. <laughs> As a child, I was brought up only on vodka. Is this you or Arshavin now? Is that your Snodgrass impression? <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, the game then? Yeah, football-wise, I mean, Henri, I mean, again, talking about destiny and fate, it was... I mean, it's not improbable that Thierry Henry was going to return and score against one of the worst defences in the country, but... And the, score a goal like every other goal he's ever scored against yeah. us. Yeah, but the, the media loving afterwards. Yeah. yeah, I can appreciate where they're coming from. It's a, it's a lovely romantic story, but bloody hell. He's grown a beard as well. That's added a bit of oh, a bit of fascination. It's messianic appearance, isn't it? It's, the slow motion replay of him coming on as a substitute. Oh, it's taking things much, much too um, far. That's been, even before he'd scored. Good luck, Thierry. Get yourself in the bitch and do me some loving justice. Is this still your, is this your Nunes impression in large? Arsene Wenger. Oh, okay. Don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I thought we played all right till he came on. We did a good job containing them, didn't we? I mean, I think it was yeah. very much a damage limitation. I thought uh, Lees was excellent. White thought, did well yeah. against a very, very fast man. Imagine Ben Parker at left back again, up against he him. Didn't, he didn't need that again. Just imagine no. what would have happened. Because White um, kept up with him very well. Like, he rarely got past him. He, he cut inside a few times to get away from White. On the outside, didn't really have much joy. And we can now spend the rest of the season lamenting why the defence is just not capable of defending a game like they did against Arsenal. Well, we had, I, I think they may be all right now, because um, one of the, we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Kisnorbo mentioned it probably him going off at Burnley, but Lee's no day. I think they're all right myself. The oh, day's very, got. I thought he was quite poor against Arsenal. But he didn't do anything ridiculous. No. Mm. He did so, all right, I think. There were a few times, though, where 
if they had scored, we'd have gone back over it and said, oh, well, they, he should have cleared it there. He's misplaced that pass. That's why we have more than one defender and a goalkeeper <laughs> to cover him. And that Zach, experiment with playing without a goalkeeper didn't work very well, did it? <laughs> Zach Thompson at right back. I'm not convinced he's the answer to our right back was because I think he's a midfielder. He's not a right back at the start. Yeah. But doing all right. And that was the thing about Henry's goal. He did score against an Henry. <laughs> He's, He's always Henry. Henry. Terry Henry. Terry Henry. Yeah. Terry Henry. Um, he did score against a 19-year-old lad who was on a minute's yeah, third start. Exactly. And he was only onside by virtue of the fact that Aidan White had stepped back yeah. or he was left behind. He is, yeah. yeah, but he probably had seen that and have therefore yeah. moved into that position. You can't take, you can't take that away it. from him. But he had tried that two or three times before, just before he scored. But It's almost like Terry Henry knew what he was doing. But Ozzy's point is right. He basically took advantage. It's like he scored that goal against a youth team. Yeah. You know, he's playing against Yorkshire under 16s. And if you've ever seen that video of uh, it's Michael Owen and Neville Southall teaching a 14 year old how to keep goal, and Michael Owen scores past him and runs away with his arms in the left and starts screwing the lap of bother, and Neville Southall just goes, Yeah, well done. He's 14. <laughs> it's exactly what somebody needs yeah. to say to Henri. Part two of the podcast, and it is time to talk about transfers. The window is open. How exciting is that? Overwhelming positivity and excitement in the uh, in the studio this evening. Right, let's deal with it. Start at the top of the list. People who have gone. Keo sent on his way back to Wolves. Looks like we're not going to sign him permanently if the noises coming out of the club are to be uh, believed. And McCarthy has now gone back to uh, Reading, but he's gone on to Ipswich, so no doubt he'll have the game of his life when he plays us in a couple of weeks. The noises coming out of Alan Road about Keogh seem to be kind of a whimpering, like like a, a balloon if you put solid tape over and then a pin into it and just let the air out very slowly because it just sort of fizzled out. There's a lot of people saying, oh, we'll get him permanently in January because he, he's brilliant and we'll sell Becchio because apparently 18 goals last season isn't good enough. And yeah, and then he just kind of quietly dropped, I think. Was he, he one of the ones that Grayson said wouldn't play for the club again? It was after that. Sure that he, he wasn't going to be... He's all right, but he's, he's just a bit expensive, really, for how good he is. And for what yeah. he does. He's a bit like a, a Pizza Express with a voucher. Perfectly all right. You wouldn't go if you didn't have a voucher. You'd go somewhere else. And I think that's where, what we're choosing to do. There's no two for one. Uh, McCarthy, a brief comment on his stay. When he was in the team, played very, very well. Coincided with our best defensive performances of the season. Good player. Will be good in the future. We definitely owe him three points from the uh, Burnley away game when he kept us in it. And he seemed to just bring a bit of calm to the defence, which looked... Unlike Rahubka, <laughs> who is now staying away until the end of the month, till the 28th of January. We've been kind enough to let, uh, is it Tranmere, extend his loan? Yeah, that's where he is still. I think this... I've actually cast him from my mind. I couldn't remember them for a second. He's got more care in the community. <laughs> yeah. I think he occasionally turns his face from the wall, but it's a back. <laughs> think about what you've done. Charlie Taylor has gone on loan to Bradford. No doubt all the uh, Bitter City fans will be calling him Leeds scum and all that. Um, Charlie Taylor. Yeah, he has got a name like an East End gangster. Oh, it's Charlie Taylor. We'll send round Charlie Taylor and the boys. He's on the streets in Bradford now. Uh, another ex-Bradford man, Billy Painter. He's back somewhere. Quiet return. He's, uh, I don't know, taking the bins out at Thorpe Arch. Well, I thought this would be an opportunity to say it's like a new signing. Poye clearly felt yeah. sorry for him as well, didn't he? Did you see the statement released when he left? He said, sometimes it just doesn't work out. <laughs> Billy Painter is one of those examples. It's like it's a, wasn't a, that what we said when we <laughs> let him out to Brighton? It's like when you go up to the Dogs Trust and you meet a nice little puppy that looks really nice and it's been returned by someone else and you look on the form and it says behavioural problems. <laughs> Take it out for a walk and it's fine. You think, I'll get it home, it'll be fine, it'll be all right. Then it starts biting everything, nipping your children, has to go back. 
has to go back. Speaking from, from experience? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Someone else who's come back from a loan, we recalled Alex Bruce back from the Dog Botherers early and straight back into the team. Can we overlay this with a bit of Pato Banton? What, baby comeback? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he'd be gone for good. Do we expect him to leave then in the window? I expect him to die. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go. If we can get money for him and get him off the, well, just get him off the wage bill is the main thing. But I don't know given we've not got any decent defenders apart from Tom Lees. Somebody else who is definitely out, Paddy Kiznarbo, broken. Somebody flagged up uh, on Twitter, actually, that I described him as made of titanium, whereas uh, Lucas Radebay was like fine china. Turns out he's not made of titanium, or his knees certainly aren't anyway, because he's now had it for the season. Not the bad knee. It was the good knee that went this time. He'll come back. Will he? He will. We can rebuild him. (laughs) Think how, he, think how he was running this time around. Think how much worse it'll be. <laughs> yeah, but we might be... Feel uh, like John Cleese Ministry of Silly Wars. Yeah. We might be back in League One by then. He'll be, look all right again. Unless oh. it's like one of those situations where one bang on the head makes someone lose their memory and then they have another bang on the head and it comes back. And you speak French. Yeah. I mean, perhaps he'll come back and look, uh, look like the 2008 version. We could perhaps strap little bandages just above his knees. <laughs> it seems to be all right with his head. Will that work? No, I don't think anything's going to work. We'll have to retire him out to the uh, the Ben Parker paddock. Just put him out to pasture for a <laughs> couple Is that the one that's going to be behind the Don Revy statue, just uh, near the edge of the motorway? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it looked very nice and leafy. It's, just, uh, it's a garden of rest. <laughs> what would Ben Parker's thing at the Dog Trust say? So? He's the one that they use on the poster, I think, with the really sad eyes. <laughs> on an advert, I'll chained up to a, some miserable fence in a scrapyard, <laughs> shaking. No dogs were harmed in the making of this advert. <laughs> Someone else who's broken. No, 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 you've, you've missed a link there because we've said uh, Alex Bruce out, uh, Paddy Kiznobo also out, and also out... Robert Snodgrass's appendix. Oh, okay. I've got to do everything. Sorry, so. spoon feeding me. Yeah, Bob Snodgrass's appendix. This, the appendix, was always traditionally used as a mask for something behind the scenes. I was going to say liver failure. And um, <laughs> in Hollywood of the 1950s, you know, they'd always say, oh, such and such has had to come off the set because he's pendoctomy. And then it turns out, yeah, come back. New liver. It's like when. Um, when a model breaks a leg and comes back with suspiciously larger boobs, it's always, you know, I'm not I saying... I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I'm not saying that Robert Snodgrass has, either, has had these... He's going to come back with massive boobs. Either liver failure or he's going to return with suspiciously large boobs. All I'm saying is that syphilis is on the rise in this country. The reason it got my alarm bells ringing was because it was just on the eve of, of the transfer window, not the syphilis, uh, just on the uh, on the eve of the transfer window. I touched window. his thigh after Bristol. <laughs> and I thought, my oh, hands turned green. What if they've had a fallout? Bob Snodgrass has said he wants to leave and, and they said, you're not leaving, right, you're out of the team. You're not leaving, we're taking your appendix out. That'll show you. <laughs> to the hospital. To the Dogs Trust. <laughs> It would be extreme measures. I mean, we didn't even try that to keep Max Gradley we, rushing him into a hospital <laughs> to take his appendix out against his will. We don't even have to do this. Well, I thought we were trying to kneecap players uh, in order to get them to leave. What if we're trying to kneecap them to get them to stay now? <laughs> so from all those people exiting, what about the people that have come in? <laughs> all of a squadron of scary doctors <laughs> things. Make Taylor um, is now staying until the end of the season. He's experienced, very experienced. Oh, he's got. He's very, very experienced. That's one thing we can say without without any doubt. Experience is the one thing he has in in spades. 
Um, he's there until the end of the season, presumably as cover uh, for Lonergan. Danny Pugh is now permanently ours, reported to be half a million pounds. He's almost like a new signing. Indeed he is. Do you hear that racing? It's my pulse. Um, it's not on his pew. I feel like we've deliberately signed an underwhelming player for £500,000 <laughs> to make us think, don't spend money. The 500000 I looked. I tried to work out where that had come from and it came from a, a friend of the transfer room at Duncan Castles, but... Um, he, but he couched, He said it was a deal worth £500,000 and it wasn't made clear whether that like includes his wages, whether it's one of those baits. You don't just pay the fee, you pay the wages. But yeah, it's we are spending money on an odd, odd oddity. Well, I, I quite like him. I think he's all right. He's I think he's he, did well. yeah. he did well against Burnley when we moved him into centre midfield. Yeah, I think he had one of his best games. First I, think, I think that's the thing with him. You, you trust him to play a number of positions. You don't expect him to make errors like you do others. I think he's suffering. He's got that um, Batty Pemberton thing that it's it's Gradle Pew. It's you know it's yeah. the the underwhelming follow up to a big sale. Uh, we briefly mentioned him before. Andros Townsend uh, and his tactics truck on loan from Spurs till the end of the season. He's fast, isn't he? He can run and things. We've missed that. Yeah, we have, haven't we? We've got a very one-paced side. Even Bob Snodgrass, with all his flair and his talent, is not very quick, is he? That left side is very quick now. Yeah. I dare say the quickest in the league. Townsend looks... um he looks good, and the Spurs fans. And I work with the Spurs fan, and he was he, he was straight over. He's like, oh, you've, you've got our best, one of our best young players. It's like, oh, he's brilliant. Oh, we'll send him back shit. Yep, we sure will. Uh, <laughs> Missing um, organs. <laughs> <laughs> they reckon the only reason he doesn't play for Spurs is Gareth Bale. But yeah, they've, they've just recently offered him a well, given him a quite a large contract, so they must think he's quite decent. And. Breaking news, well, almost. Uh, we have offered a contract to, we have bought, I don't know if we've got him from the MLS Central Pool or how it works over on that crazy other side of the pond, but the, the Robbie Rogers signed, confirmed, subject to work permits from America land. Um, to give him his full Sunday name, Robert Hampton Rogers III of Rancho Palos Verdes, California. The last bit isn't his name. That's no, where it's from. It is difficult when you're dealing with foreigners. Well, that's like, it's like calling him Robin of Loxley, like you used to, you know, Robin Hood and all that. Um, who was that um, Dutch player that played for Celtic? Venegor of Hesselink. Yes, it's not a Venegor of Hesselink. Robert Hampton Rogers III of Rancho Palos Verdes, California. What do you think he's going to make of Beeston? What's Beeston going to make of him, for crying out loud? <laughs> One, my major problem with Robbie Rogers so far is he looks like a turtle. But <laughs> so many of um, the female supporters of Leeds United who have expressed a public opinion seem to think he's good looking. So apparently we've all been going wrong all our lives, fellas, by not looking like turtles. What do you make of somebody who's got their own fashion line? They've got a Facebook site. It feels like we've got the Robbie Rogers, the brand, haven't we? The Robbie Rogers dot com, I yeah. believe you mean, on which you can read this online journal with uh, film reviews, dates on uh, when the new Halsey, what's his fashion line, when the, the Name, not collection. named after referee Mark Halsey, I presume. You'd hope not. Uh, when that uh, when that arrived, there was some photographs around. Yeah, and there's we've got a good picture of him uh, larking around. There's some kid playing a computer game. There's somebody with him in a, a vest with a kind of funky haircut who's holding a, a can of pop. I got that off his uh, his online journal. He's a man of the people. And he's going to have to shut it all down. <laughs> <laughs> you see, it feels like with his, with his silly name and his, and his online presence, and he's from California, I've already in my mind sort of formulated three quarters of a, a Hollywood teen movie script in my mind that I think could net us millions. Well, I mean, it, it, they made Soccer Dog, so Soccer Turtle isn't that far beyond Well, it. I was thinking more like, you know... Robbie uh, from the west coast of America, 
classic fish out of water scenario transplanted over to a gritty northern town in England. Homesick. Yeah, struggles to fit struggles. in. A bit like California, man. But, I but, don't want to... Yeah. Let's not mention that, because that could sound like plagiarism then. Um, oh, okay, sorry, yeah. This fresh idea you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and he gets a couple of wacky young mates, let's call them Ramon and Davide, to take him under their wing, and they get up to all sorts of hijinks and adventures, you know, with girls and, and things. I'm going to have to start checking tilllate.com religiously to see more pictures of uh, the three of them on their nights out. Get them. It was a, a vel was it a velvet waistcoat that uh, it's a very snappy dress for his Ramon. And a and a fucking was it a leather bow tie <laughs> that Nunez was was out in. And then I mean he's already um I looked through his Twitter over since uh, the fourth of January he announced that talent is God given, be humble, fame is man given, be grateful, conceit is self given, be careful. I can picture him in the dressing room going, Hey, hey Billy, have you ever thought <laughs> the talent is God given, you know. So you got to be humble and paint. What about buses? <laughs> yeah, and then on to the sixth of January tweet: Nando's, Nando's, Nados. Yes. If, for, uh, only a footballer could fail to spell Nando's the same way three times <laughs> in a row. Clint Dempsey. It's ninth. So this is only two days ago. Clint Dempsey, or I think, rooms with him for the uh, what they call the United States of America men's national team of soccer. Team America. <laughs> Clint Dempsey at, uh, at Robbie Rogers. <laughs> what? What's good, Mr. President? <laughs> Mr. President. We've already got oh, El Principito. Now we've got Mr. President. You mean El Principito. And then um, poor old uh, poor old Turtle Ed's replied saying, "Oh, life's life's so good. I'm in your area till tomorrow night, and I need to find a good sushi spot. You around? Like, what? Do you, I, 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 he's I, gonna go looking for sushi, <laughs> beastin'." <laughs> For a culture shock, this film is going to happen. It's going to happen. Let's talk about his football uh, side of things briefly. Apparently, he's uh, exactly like Darren Huckabee. I didn't do... I meant before coming here to, to Google Robbie Rogers and in in uh, quotes, out of bounds. Because um, I get the feeling from some of the criticism I've seen um, actually launched directly at him, calling him a moron on Twitter. Is he, that Ken? <laughs> he likes to... Uh, Run very fast with the ball until it goes out of bounds. Every time. Apparently so. Like a, a thinking man's Forrest Gump. Like, or just like an American Darren Huckabee. is <laughs> closer to home. Well, he's played for Columbus Crew, 106 appearances, 13 goals. He was in uh, Holland with Heronveen about five years ago, didn't play, uh, and he went home homesick. So he's going he's gonna to fit right in, isn't because he? Because he didn't learn the language. <laughs> <laughs> in South Leeds, he's going to love it. He's going to absolutely love it. Let's move on because we're running out of time. Uh, Sean St. Ledger, rumoured, this could be happening as we record this podcast, who knows, central defender from Leicester, has a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a difficult character. Used to play with Andy Lonigan at Preston in their famous leaky defence. Oh. Apparently, <laughs> right yeah. Apparently deciding uh, on a move between us and Ipswich. Do we I, want him? Yeah. My memories of him are from that documentary that um, about Peterborough where he was being gobby. Admittedly only to Ron Atkinson, so maybe that's in his favour, I'm not sure. But he seems to think quite a lot of himself. He's gone on, I can't remember who... I know it's Strachan has had problems with him when he was managing him and somebody else whose name escapes me, but he does apparently... We've put here a reputation for being difficult in our notes. I think being a git is probably... Or a footballer. Word. Yeah, yeah that's a very point. He probably... Uh, him, he's supposed to have a bit of a Billy Big Bollocks attitude, isn't he? Him and Aidan White can talk about their home country. Yes, yeah. Ireland. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we look forward to seeing whether that one unfolds or not. I mean, in football in terms... 
there's almost a, a blind acceptance that he's not to the players we have currently, so he must be good. So it must be an improvement. Well, I, if the problem is it would probably end up with St. Ledger and, o, and O'Day at the back and rather just stick with Lees. Let's not sign anybody if it means Lees can still play and we'll just deal with O'Day as we go on. Uh, Jason Punchin, there were rumours that he'd been training with us. However, Ken has put a, a stick in the in the spokes of that wheel, hasn't he, today, by uh, basically destroying the man, saying he's just a scumbag. Well, we don't, uh, we haven't seen the... Um... I think you're paraphrasing there, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's my interpretation of yeah. Ken's words, I should stress, yeah. The story is Jason Punchin wronged Ken Bates by saying he was going to sign for us in the... Uh... Did he diss him? <laughs> he wronged him. In the minutes after we sold Max Gradle, in the minutes left that we had to try and sign somebody, we lined up Jason Punchin and he said he'd come, but then QPR said he could go there. At the so, 11th hour, literally. So we went there and Ken Bates says he was he saw him walking into QPR's ground on Sky Sports News, which, I mean, it, it would Fancy be Fancy trying to play at a higher level for more money. What was he thinking? Um, so now that's all gone wrong and he's been... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Warnock's sacked, obviously, and his agent's been in touch, offered him to Ken, and Ken threw the old roller decks. Oh, I remember him. And so uh, so he can't come, no matter how good he is. Or not, we'll see. Uh, building works at Ellen Road briefly. This is yes. not This is not Ken. <laughs> It's not Ken this time. Oh. There's going to be a new police station on the old Greyhound Stadium site just uh, on Ellen Road. That's next to the railway bridge. And how are they going to fund that? What revenues have got they, have they got to build something like that? Maybe they will have a Krispy Kreme donuts underneath it. Nice. Revenue streams, you see. Council also proposing a park and ride scheme for the Fullerton Park car parks. Not exciting, not funny, <laughs> just factual. We've got to keep you informed as well as... Um... Mildly embarrassed while you're listening to this podcast. But not as funny as when I first read that, as reading the council proposing a park. <laughs> <laughs> a car park. 
And also then there's been a bit of a publicity drive coming out of the club. This is Ken this time. It's not been coming out of the club. It's been coming out of Ken Bates' cake hole. Well, he is the club, isn't he? He owns the bloody thing. Mm. Um, ahead of the Arsenal game, he was hobnobbing with various members of the the media from Britain, wasn't he? It was got f- The same interview essentially got published in every newspaper, didn't it? There's a frightening glimpse of what may happen if we ever go up to the Premier League because he seemed to lose his shit because we're about to play a big team. And so, yeah, every journalist in town rounds to come and listen to him rant on about well what were some of the topics that came up oh we got FA Cup team strength foreign owners apparently he has a problem with them. absent owners we don't like them absentee owners who run their club via a stooge so apparently Sean Harvey's uh, job he must have been furious for those, <laughs> and for those years when he didn't know who owned the club he must have been furious and he was talking as well about um clubs living within their means pointing out that um scum and Arsenal um, and Liverpool, they don't. Their owners don't invest money in the team. They just live within their means. They just live off their income, failing to realise that they have incomes of millions and millions of pounds because they're in the Premier League. It's easier to live within your means when your means are enormous. I think is the yeah. Um, it was also interesting to see that some of the clubs that you highlighted all have massive debts stacked against them, and they well. all have foreign owners yeah. as well. So he, he just, I mean, whenever he speaks, he's never been consistent, has he? About this kind of thing, I always remember Martin O'Neill describing him as a footballing cretin, and then you just got to remember that's who's talking. And then yes, and he just slugged off the poor folks. Well, that- he doesn't seem to have much respect for the working classes, does he? Well, well, the only people who have respect for what he's doing to the club are people with intellect. Uh, however, but the mob, which is a very small number, which is um, not, that seems a bit that's not how you define contradictory, a mob. Doesn't it? Um, but they want results. Only this small mob want results. Everybody else. What in a sport like football? Nobody results? else wants results. LUC. No. He says, "I can understand that." I remember my son saying to me twenty years ago, "My God, what 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 kind of voice was Ken Bates' son have?" I was doing me on, "Daddy, God, I just did I just call Ken Bates, Daddy." Yeah. <laughs> 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 You must remember most people lead boring, meaningless lives, then they retire and then they die. The only thing around them is their football clubs. Then Ken continues, pub and club, pub and club. So that's Ken Bates' opinion of football fans in general. There's also an interesting insight into what he thinks of his own life there, doesn't he, as the polar opposite of that. Oh. That's some sort of swashbuckling, knight of the realm type, you know, character who hobnobs in Monaco. He's a latter-day James Bond, if you like. Oh, and he also, I forgot to mention, it was our fault for... um, Pressure and Grayson, but we'll come on that next part. And uh, finally, season ticket renewal prices have been confirmed. We did this in the last podcast, so let's not retread that. Good that they've been frozen, bad that it's ridiculously early and still expensive. Yeah. And it's bad as well that there is a growing anecdotal evidence for people saying, now nah, that's it. We not- shall see come the end of January. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. So this is part three and we are going to talk about anniversaries because this is our anniversary. It's our second birthday on the podcast. Happy birthday to you all. Yay. Yay. Two long, long years. Our our 42nd (laughs) pod as well, the the meaning of life pod. Um, It's also Simon Grayson's anniversary. It has just been uh, his three-year anniversary of taking charge of the club. So you've now got 15 minutes to talk about Simon Grayson, but without using the word bait, Go. Um, well, I was just thinking uh, December 22nd. Um, how do I put this? Um, Bates warns Leeds boss Grayson. Uh, no, because we're going to set this up, because Grayson, as we were saying earlier, the Burnley game, th- there was that weird atmosphere and it was like it's like when people used to go to beheadings in the olden days because there were um, spectator sports. Oddie, what was it like? Oh, God. <laughs> 
And now it's, 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 there seemed to be a lot of people just sort of circling, circling around and waiting for it to go wrong so that he would be sacked. And as soon as the goal went in the second half, you could feel the number of people just kind of closing the book, dusting their hands off, say, well, it'd be nice knowing you, Simon. And it had all come about, in my view, because Ken Bates spent the pre-Christmas period basically chopping him off from the ankles upwards. Death by a thousand cuts, it seemed like, because we were 10th, not too bad, bad run of form. And yet suddenly we were plunged in this situation where Bates is, says Grayson may go, and it, it was... Um, his words, he stands and falls by his results. If he does not deliver, he knows his job is on the line. That applies to all managers. Simon and his background and stuff don't have a bad record, but this year is the ultimate challenge. It seemed like he it seemed to me like he was reducing the amount of time anybody had to wait for Grayson to be under pressure because he, he is Ken Bates and he will sack him at any moment. And so once that was announced, everybody then started talking about Grayson's job. January the 7th, in that press call that we were just talking about, uh, they asked him uh, if Bates still believed in his manager. And um, Bates, and I quote, <clears throat> I knew you'd bring that up, you asshole." Um, he's now probably the longest serving manager in the Football League. Don't start putting pressure on him, says Ken Bates. Fans put pressure on everybody. Then he basically said that the fans had put a lot of pressure on him. So... Three years in, I think the pressure of late has been sort of artificially generated and then the fact that Simon's had a tough time has only added to that. But over the last three years... Well, three years is a long time to be a manager under Ken Bates, isn't it? it does, there aren't many that make it that far. A long time under anybody. This isn't going very well Moving with uh, in not using the word Bates. No. So from how about how about talking about Simon Grayson without using the word Bates from now? Okay, well... It, We're in a much better position now than we were when he took over. For that, we need to be thankful. Which is why one can be said for Ken. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> You've got to remember this is where we started out when the chairman took over the club and we're now in a similar position. Ignore all the financials and look at the football team alone. How do you think we stack up? In terms of football progress, Steve Staunton is no longer our defensive coach. No matter how bad the defence is, <laughs> that, as far as I'm concerned, that is a, that's a step forward. That's one in his favour, we'll put that the pro Simon column. I think I think Grayson, it's fair to say, is our the best manager we've had since being out of the Premiership, which isn't maybe saying a great deal when you consider the other candidates are Carver was pretty good. <laughs> not exactly gone on to have distinguished careers elsewhere. But given the money he's got to work with, the circumstances he finds himself under with silly statements like this in the press, I think he he's doing pretty well. And I don't I don't think he's a perfect manager by any means. But I don't think we could get anyone better for the money we will pay. And as you've said before, Moscow, I agree with the sentiment that his errors are human. When he does make errors, they are human errors and they're, they're correctable. He never does things, well, he rarely, never is a strong word, he rarely does things where I cannot get any idea what he was trying to do. Even with his, if his team selections are crazy, like dropping Clayton, you can, you can kind of see he's been our, our best player at times, also a little bit tired, got Vernon in the wings. There's a rationale, there's a, there's a reason. It doesn't work, we'll lose 4-1. But it's not like, there's never been that moment of just, hmm? what, what are you doing? Yeah. It's, there's never, it's not got to Wilkinson at Wembley. With a squad that's threadbare as it is, Brian and the players he's having to bring in, because he's scratching around for loans and frees and whatever's available, cheap, that's his only option. There's an argument that he's, he's not bringing quality players in, but he can't bring quality players in because we won't pay for them. And the argument that, We'd do a lot better with another manager. 
won't hold up because we don't know whether Grayson could motivate a million-pound striker or a, a quality defender that could come in and solve our problems. We don't know whether he's got that in him to motivate those kind of players. When, when he did have a million-pound striker in Beckford, although there were strops and there were struggles, I thought he actually handled him quite well. Strong enough to sub him off when he was having a bad form and then mm. strong enough to put him in as captain on the last on day. On the last day, and, yeah. and do the job. So. How about with Housen? He dropped Housen and then brought him on. He subbed him for the that Bristol Rovers game and yeah. brought him on and Housen delivered. They both did, didn't they? Yeah. They were the ones that got us up. Is it almost impossible to judge him until he does eventually move on and we see how he does somewhere else and then how his successor performs at Ellen Road under similar circumstances? I'd rather judge him at Ellen Road yeah, under here. different circumstances <laughs> yeah. myself. I'd be, I mean, um, that would be the ideal for me. One of the reasons why I have absolutely no interest in Grayson losing his job, I can see there's an argument for it when we're losing three games in a row and the team is not playing as well as possibly it can or we'd like it to. But if we get rid of Grayson, I don't think anything will change. If new owners came in and they gave him a, a run and it didn't work and then sacked him, I wouldn't have a particular problem with that. Um, when it, when the decision lies in the hands of a footballing cretin who will remain nameless, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't like the idea of him being sacked by that individual, especially if it gets the heat off that individual because he can sit back and say, here's my new man, give him a chance and I'll, I'll be here all the time. I don't think Grayson's under any illusions that if he does poorly and the team, the team starts losing regularly, that he will be out of a job. He doesn't need the owner of the club to tell the whole world while he's on a losing streak that he will be out of a job if he doesn't do it. The problem is the owner of the club likes telling the world everything. That's <laughs> yeah, the problem, that's, isn't it? The, the mental thing is, I was looking about Sean St. Ledger because um, he may be going, apparently it's between us and Ipswich. Paul Jewell has said that um, bloody honest Jewell, apart from when he's renting videos, I suppose, um, <laughs> Uh, saying that Sean St. Ledger was unsure about going to Ipswich because he feels he, he suspects there might be a change of manager there and he doesn't want to get into that situation. And like Ipswich are about 20th, and Paul Jewell's in a position where he's saying, Well, I'll, um, I've put his mind at rest because I'm, I'm bringing in new players. Grayson's 8th, 9th, 10th. He's earned the right to stay in his job, hasn't he, really? And to, be, and to be given a bit of backing because we, we were comparing it to our first couple of years in the Championship. That team that Blackwell had, admittedly, it became clear after the failed playoff final we were offloading people. But he had several players in there that had spent decent money on. Healy, Blake, Lewis was on decent... We got him on a free, but he was on decent money. Bloody Nichols, Derry. There was a, there was quite a bit of cash in that side. Yeah. Whereas if you compare it to our current team, there's only three or four of them that we've actually paid anything for. Somebody put that um, a version of the lineup that we faced Arsenal with. Our defence for that game was youth, youth, loan, youth, and then loan... 500k free for Clayton. Well, it was 50 grand, wasn't he? So all that, you, yeah. I'm sure the point we're I'm talking making about three, is clear. We're talking about three quarters of a million for the whole team, aren't we? Really? Yeah, and he's so he's expected to work miracles with nothing. And I think we kind of forget at the moment because it's become a bit of a grind this season. I, I spent this afternoon, sorry, boss, sort of looking back through the last three years and remembering um, how good we've actually been under Grayson his first season March into April when we we won uh, we, we won five games in a row 
and went into the playoffs. Um, 2009-10, we, we started, won the first eight games, six of which were in the league, didn't lose any of the first 12 in the league. And then we lost to Millwall and then we're unbeaten again for another 11. So that's, we were, um, well, it was six points clear. And it's only because the second half of that season, the form faded off that we didn't absolutely romp the league. But the first half of that season, we were... You can't say that. Because it's only because we stopped lo- we stopped winning <laughs> games that we well, didn't that's have that's the league. That's his, his responsibility too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. When it came down to it at the end of that season, April, Yeovil, Southend, Carlisle, franchise, beat them all, got us into second and um, and got through in Bristol Rovers. So there's only um, Leeds United 73-74, which is the team that started with uh, the... 28 game unbeaten run towards the end of that season lost lost 4-1 to Burnley three games were lost in a row it happens to every team and when you're dealing with um, players like Andy Hughes and Michael Doyle it's going to happen to your team more often so I also wonder if we're not charitable enough with the the poor spells in comparison to the quality of the good spells given team maybe that's just a a manifestation of of frustration that we're not seen to be moving forward because our benchmark is is premier league isn't it really and it still is and we want to be striving towards that and when we don't see that forward progress or momentum or or what we perceive to be good squad building then it becomes frustrating and this season Mm. is a frustrating season and you know a lot of people take it out on the chairman now a growing number taking it out on Grayson because there are arguments about his use of resources but we should be we should be more patient I agree with you definitely we can't win them all you can't win every game can you particularly when you are working within tight financial constraints not doing that bad anyway (laughs) where are we now are we eighth we're two points off the playoffs it's not glory days, but it's not terrible. People highlight the number of signings on loan and the failure of a high number of signings as one of Grayson's shortcomings. Do you think that's fair or do we need to take more responsibility at club level for the likes of Gwyn Williams and maybe Mr Bates himself? Sorry, Mr Chairman himself. <laughs> it's a bit of everything. Everyone signs, every club signs bad players now and then. And the lower the price you are willing to pay for them, be that fees or contributions to wages on loan, the higher number of shit ones you're going to get. It's a simple reason why footballers have prices attached to them is generally how good they are and we don't pay very much, therefore we don't get very much. I think Howard Wilkinson, when we interviewed him, said um, for every five players you sign, three will work and that's when you're signing good players. The three from Sheffield. The three from <laughs> Sheffield will work. We're not, we weren't far away at the end of last season. I think that's one of the things that's been so bad about this season that we were three points off getting in the playoffs last year and this year we look we're worse. two points off yes <laughs> we're two <laughs> points off now but we look we don't look as good a team it's not like we built on last year and, and that's the problem and it's not clear whose fault that is whether we can point at Grayson and saying you sold these players and then the ones you brought in or haven't brought in the ones you brought in are rubbish and the ones you haven't brought in don't exist what gives well, the ones um, he's brought in are the players that were playing on loan elsewhere last season Lees Eddie White so is that part of Grayson's success that they've come in and for me Tom Lees has been one of the best players we've had this season Yeah, he's been Eddie White's been great yeah. Thompson's come in he's done well Charlie Taylor played you know, bugger him off, but hopefully um, <laughs> next year, this might be his long mm. season, come back in stronger next Fill year. Fill in for Eddie White once he's gone. That's right, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's one of the other uh, criticisms often pointed at me is that he doesn't try putting youth players in. 
And even with uh, with the current team, a few players saying, oh, it's only because he can't sign anybody. That's the only reason they're playing. But You can't have it both ways, can you? Then he no. does put them in, say, well, oh, he didn't want to. As well, people will always say put the youth in because... People well, love kids, basically. <laughs> everyone, li- everyone likes a kid in a but, football you know, team. A few years ago, though, people would have had Bailey and Hotchkiss and Gardner and all these people who are no longer professional footballers. People would have had in the team. Give them a go. They, they play for the shirts. Evidently, yeah. they're not very good footballers because that's why they're playing at Geisley or wherever they've... Yeah. Garforth and people like that that have dropped down to they found their level. Lees and White have proved themselves whether in our reserves RIP or um, <laughs> on loan they've shown that they can cut it. Lees especially 100 league games before he gets into the Leeds team it means that putting him in is no longer a risk. Grayson can call on him and have absolutely no problem with putting him in and he's got the experience from just the division below. He yeah. still looks worried though. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple of years ago Eddie White couldn't even last 90 minutes. No. He's and- having all those problems with the Whatever it was, is nervous psychology. tension or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so the um, look at him now. The improvement in him. <laughs> you've got to you've got to look at the the management of, of the footballing side because people say, oh, he's failed to sort the defence out. But the improvement in Leeds in White, yeah. and again with Clayton, as we've said on here, couldn't drop a bag of cement last season. I think Forest, Forest, <laughs> God, God, that was a bad. But bad he, again, he's coming in from playing League One football last year. He's having a step up a level to Championship level. He started well. We can see that he's a good player. He's not going to do it all season long. He's going to probably have a, a dip in form at some point. That's when the, this question of whether Grayson's good at using resources is always concentrated on how well he's spending Simon's pot. But his use of resources, I think it's easy to look at the fact that he managed to get a team with Michael Doyle as its linchpin promoted from League One. Um, not as comfortably as it could have been, but we got there in the end and then come straight into the championship and only miss out on the playoffs by three points without however you slice it and however you point at the players that we have brought in we have not had at any point significant buys he's just had to scrap and use what he's had bring in players and send them out on loan see if they're any good put them in if they are and he's managed to keep it going two things could happen if he was sacked one we could bring in one of this long list of available I was just managers, at this list. It's, it's awful. In, and we could we could rock up. We could suddenly uh, well, it's worth boom into the Premier League. It's worth considering or, the alternative, isn't it? Because it look, could what just, can happen. Yeah. Look at could, Forest. It could just yeah. Billy Davies is obviously was doing something there to keep them on the up. As soon as he goes, and you bring in an allegedly better manager, the whole thing just falls apart. And um, and it, we can't afford to go down again. Looking at this list. This is the list of available managers. I'm picturing it, it in a it's kind from of... the League Managers Association website. Venn diagram type way. And they, <laughs> they more or less all fall into one or multiple of the too expensive shit manager or dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, can put, I can put every one of them into... Some are in all three. Well, the, the one that's strongly rumoured has a job, isn't it? Di, Ma, Di, Di Matteo is the one that people always think he's going to be in. Too expensive. That's what I put him in. I would want money to spend. There's he actually knows, you can actually knows, probably um, add a, a pervert circle to this Venn diagram, particularly if Paul Jewell Abraham loses his Sven. <laughs> so, so in the <laughs> who, who else are you pointing your libelous finger at? Let's uh, let's run through this list. You've got Ian Dowie, pervert. No, is, there, is this? Are you expecting us to answer yeah. yes, yes or no as, to whether, <laughs> not as per- to whether they're a pervert? Not or pervert. Not. Just where would you put them? Right. So you got Ian Dowie in jail. Jail. <laughs> <laughs> On a register. <laughs> Avram Grant. Expensive pervert shit. Glenn <laughs> Hoddle. Disablest. <laughs> God botherer. Shit. Blackwell. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> We've tried that before. Alan Kerbishley. Is he still going? He'd want a better job than this. Right. Sven Joran Eriksson. Pervert. Money. Pervert. Paul Ince. Dickhead. <laughs> Roy Keane. 
Ditto, Ditto, Ditto yeah. Brian Laws. Really? Brian Laws? How's he got on this list? He doesn't have a job. That's the only criteria. Well, he may as well put me on it then. <laughs> Ronnie Moore. Sean O'Driscoll. We'd have, um, we'd have Ian Thomas Sean O'Driscoll, yeah. there would be an argument for. Nigel Fossil Worthington. No, too many bad He's memories. got international experience. Gordon now, Strachan. Not a manager. Leroy Rossini. Football League show. <laughs> Gary McAllister. No. Tried it. Tried it. Ray, stay on your feet, Wilkins. God, I, no. I actually hate him for I heard him I can't remember which game it was a Chelsea game and they scored and he was just throwing himself about the uh, commentary box clearly scumbag then Glenn Roder wonky face <laughs> Graham Soonis too violent Gianluca Viale is he a manager still? when did he last manage anyone? It well, look about the, 15 years ago see who's coming next finally David O'Leary he's got unfinished business we found our winner <laughs> Unfinished business, <laughs> and I'm not on, not included in that miscellaneous list was Billy Davies, who uh, can't come because he hates us. And then the recent entrant to the uh, to the doll queue, Mister Mister Wanker, Mister Colin Wanker. Going back to um, O'Leary, though, given our defences, we were pointing out Lee's white. He's got some new babies. <laughs> They're not his babies. He can't just come and steal them. Steal somebody's babies. They're Grayson's babies. Leave them alone. Just as, in fact, his babies were Wilkinson's babies. Up yours, O'Leary. Final part of the podcast, then. Let's talk about the games that are coming up. First of all, we've got Crystal Palace on Saturday. They've all had flu, haven't they? So they better not come and infect us with their illness. Still managed to beat Cardiff just before we recorded well last night what I just say and I, that's a typo where I've put on the notes sell hurts actually I didn't really have done that but I just read it so there's been a, a great uh, virus going around <laughs> sell hurt park but they'll be looking for some uh, soothing balm I don't know Doogie the, the medicine will go down easy Doogie yeah. Friedman's their manager he's a nice bloke isn't ex, he ex Leeds the, um, the, the Palace Leeds links Dougie Friedman's probably the favourite one I had a soft spot for John Pemberton who mentioned earlier coming in for Batty I liked Pembo what about Thomas Broline didn't like Thomas Broline not so much. <laughs> bandage head yeah his bandage brilliant That's, not up weird. to Paddy's standards but I've tried and failed to find footage of that because it was definitely on match of the day when the ball mm, hit him on the yeah. head and the bandage popped off. I can up. still. I don't need to. I don't need YouTube footage. I can close my eyes. I know exactly where on the pitch <laughs> it happened because it was the same um, part of the pitch wherever Yeboah was piled on after he'd scored against Wimbledon. Um, and, uh, and there's a big dint there now from the pair of them. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a. Yeah, they, they had to uh, put some topsoil on to, to level Sellers Park off again. <laughs> They're not in great form either, uh, although they did uh, beat Birmingham. Beat Cardiff last night as well. That's a cup game and a first leg. They'll lose the second leg. Yeah, lost to but, Millwall, did they? Uh, yeah, they've been losing. No, they they beat Millwall 1-0, but they lost to Southampton, Leicester and Derby within in recent memory. Of course, we beat them uh, 3-2 at Ellen Road earlier in the season. Uh, yes, a uh, Ross McCormack late winner, which Indeed. is un- unusual. Un- don't see many. A ding-dong <laughs> battle as well. Was, was that One for the collectors. 1-0 up, 2-1 down, Becky 0-2-2, Roscoe scored the winner. Late. Always nice. Good living. Danger men for them. Again, I'll just let you say this, Moscow, because you've compiled this particular uh, line uh, in the notes. Five goals each for Jermaine Easter and Fuck's sake, Murray. They've both got five. Fuck's sake, Murray is... Um, because he went from um, uh, Crystal Palace's... Uh, the, it's a shame we couldn't get Robbie Rogers in for this game. You mean the Robbie like, Rogers? It's a shame we couldn't get the Robbie Rogers, I'll get the hang of it, in for this game. Because, uh, oh my God, we're playing the Eagles. Um, so the Eagles, great rivals. The, oh, the Seagulls next week? Um, the, the Seagulls. The Seagulls sold Glenn Murray to the Eagles and then... Um, Murray went back to the Seagulls while playing for the Eagles and he scored a goal. And if you search for Fuck's Sake Murray on YouTube, you'll find um, some fan cam footage of the goal going in and uh, 
Um, as just as the ball hits the back of the net, you hear this bloke a few rolls back. Let's go, Fenton, <laughs> Fenton, <laughs> Fenton. It's very much like, fuck's sake, Mary. It's absolutely, it's fantastic. So there's t-shirts available if you if you are an Eagles or a Seagulls fan. Um, <laughs> we just got to hope. Yeah, we don't need any fuck's sake, Murray at Elland Road. The um, quite tight defensive. Won't be at Elland Road anyway because it's away. That's uh, <laughs> that's what I meant. I was about to say they are quite tight defensively down there at Selhurt Park. So. Well, Speroni's, um he's the only rival that Becchio has for um, overseas Argentinian footballer doing well at any level. There's no others. <laughs> um, but yeah, 11 out of 25 clean sheets. It's not bad. And uh, they only concede. Um, let, ooh, let me see if I can remember it. They only concede 0.67 goals per game at It's almost home. like a prepared statistic, that. Yeah. Who, have we, who are we going to play up Do they front? score many? Uh, about approximately 0.96 per match. Usually, usually in the second half. Who are we going to play up front against their brilliant goalkeeper and their tight defence? <laughs> Keogh's gone. Know, Robbie Rogers. Is there anyone who uh, can score... Almost score one goal. It's us. <laughs> Billy Painter. He's, he's the man. We're going to lose this by 0.3-ish of a goal. <laughs> and it'll be Billy's fault. <laughs> right, so that's that game. We're going to lose sake, that one Billy. by a third of a goal. I fancy us against Palace. We'll be fine. This is uh, Bur- the confidence of Burnley. We've got some new faces. And, uh, is the blip Arsenal. over? Is the blip over? Yeah, Arsenal was a defeat, but um, they all got their pictures taken with Thierry Henry, so uh, so that's that's something. That's fine, right? Then on to Ipswich, currently managed by Paul Jewell. They may not be by the time we finish recording this podcast because they're playing as we record right now, and if they lose to Birmingham, then he might be, might be out of a job, you never know. People, do people lose to Birmingham now? Oh, yeah, nothing. Um, did we lose to Birmingham? We yes. Yeah, yeah, that's good. To a very tall man called Nicola. That's what I thought had happened, didn't I? Yeah. So they're not in great form. We haven't been in great form. <laughs> if we beat Palace, it will then set us up thinking, yeah, we'll turn these lot over. But if they sack him and get a new manager, then oh, they could be playing for the new manager. As you raised earlier, the, the problem, the fly in the ointment, is their goalkeeper, Alex McCarthy, later of this parish, who will... Um, he's going to have a blind or anything. Because they, uh, they suck at the back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, nothing. Um <laughs> 47 again. Is that you visiting Robert in hospital again? Worst. Uh, yes, I sucked the appendix out of him, if that's what you want me to say. 47 goals against them. At least, admittedly, seven of those were scored by Peterborough, but it's still, um, it's not that good. Well, we scored three against Peterborough, so by playground rules, that's 10 we should score. Is that yep. right? Yeah. Yep. And um, there, um, Keith Andrews got their late winner. He's gone back now, though, hasn't he? I, I tried to find out and I couldn't tell. I, things were on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But they, you but, take my calls. <laughs> not again. But he scored nine for them in half a season and we were going to sign him. Just a little hint of what could have happened. We were going to sign Bowyer as well, but I'm glad that didn't happen despite him having played 20 games, two goals, two assists, four bookings and uh, the face of a rat. That's his season so far. And quite a lot of money per week. Yes, that's the other aspect. And they, uh, he didn't even um, have to move house. Just pure profit. Ka-ching! They um, they concede. A no lot. socks, though. Your, your, socks. your stat attack, they concede a lot of goals away. 2.25 per match, so two and a quarter goals. Yeah. Uh, they've only had three Again, clean sheets. So There's an opportunity for Billy in there. It's a nailed on nil-nil. Get a quarter. Now nah, there'll be goals. Does anyone fancy that we might see Billy again? given how poor Becchio's been. It wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility, but I don't know if Simon Grayson would necessarily want to put that sort of pressure on himself by bringing back a man who is seen yeah. as a busted flush. I think given how bad Painter has been for Brighton, I don't think... He didn't score, did he? 
I think he barely touched the ball. <laughs> he didn't do anything of any interest, importance, or use um, for the Seagulls. But he tried. But we could have told them that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll be. I think he's going to go the way of Bassoni. So move to the Premier League. Probably. Yeah. Um, so where do you think in summary, where does the season go from here? Do you think if we can get a couple of wins, maybe four, six points out of these two games that we would then be looking at teeing ourselves up to get back in the playoffs? Because I haven't got a blooming yeah. clue what's going to happen we're this going season. Up. We're going up, we're going to do it. Well, it's not just um, how these games will go, but the the, uh, the transfer window is like an extra three points, depending on how it goes, or a, a points deduction, maybe a minus 15. Do you not feel that, as with every way. transfer window, we're now in a position where we say, well... We're just going to have to suck it and see. The thing is with buying new players, it sometimes makes you think that they are going to bring about a good change, even if it later turns out they're shit. Just, pro- that, just the fact of having something new makes you think, oh, this is nice. If we signed a right-back, which meant we had more than just one, I would take that as a sign of positive progress. Likewise, um, if we could get somebody like Michael Brown, but not Michael Brown, that would also be... <laughs> I would take that as progress. And then keeping Snodgrass and Housen. Um, yeah, but you're asking for progress on multiple fronts there and it's not all going to go exactly as we want. That's just a... Brick by brick. Yeah, indeed. Uh, which actually, I guess, segues nicely into the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award. This is an award for somebody who has contributed to the ongoing misery of being a Leeds United fan in the last couple of weeks. Um, first up, we're nominating Ken this time. What are we going to nominate him for this time? Um, his mouth. Yeah, running his mouth off before the Arsenal game. It was just it was just using our FA Cup draw, which had nothing to do with him. It is just it's just balls in a bag coming out of a bag. But then to immediately be uh, organising, we assume it was at a hotel in London because all these journalists started going about oh, having lunch with uh, having lunch with Ken Bates this week. It's Brian Warner, Henry Winter, Yorkshire Post's guy, and you were thinking, oh. Um, he's he's having uh, he's having quite a few interviews. No, he's just done a buffet and had them all in and just ranted at them. Stop piggybacking on our football team just to get your it's his football team horrible opinions about ordinary people. Pub and club, pub and club. What about you, bloody? He only ever goes to one bloody cafe in Monaco. Well, cafe flat, cafe flat. Up yours, Well base. done for calling it a flat as well. Just a flat. A CD I've got a house. <laughs> it's, it's a flat, a seedy bed set on the most expensive road in the world, isn't it? Anyway. How so... many bedrooms, Ken? Just two. <laughs> One's a box room, really, isn't it? <laughs> so he riled me for that. So Ken Bates has got his uh, his fortnightly nomination. I would like to put forward Paddy Kaznorbo's knees for being poorly constructed. After you'd said they were made of titanium. No, I said he was. I didn't specify oh. which bits of him. Okay. It suggests all of it. I, res- I reserve the right to change my mind. Is it because so. you tweeted it? You didn't have room to say brackets except his knees. All of the bits his of head is not a bother. His head we, as well. We don't need him to use. The titanium bits have corroded the other bits to such <laughs> an extent. No, I know what you mean. I mean, that's bad. I mean, it's probably, we hinted earlier that it might be a good idea to get him out of the team. But I not like, like him. this. I this like isn't him. the way we wanted it to go. <laughs> but sadly, inevitable. Um, also, in the nominations list, I would also like to put forward Charlie Austin. Didn't happen. Yeah, Sorry? I, I'd read this Didn't as happen. Well. Not look a real account. At, I did, if you look at the last line, it was a fake account. It wasn't really I don't him. care if it was a fake account or not. I do somebody, not care. Or somebody purporting to be Charlie Austin. Pretend Charlie Austin for getting all gobby on Twitter about Leeds. That's what I want to why do we, Why don't we cross out in that in that sentence, pretend Charlie Austin, and write in Robert Savage? Forgetting all gobby about on Twitter about Leeds, bracket bitter, question I'd like mark. to be the first one as well to say that it was also Robbie Savage that... Um, 
I think uh, Dan might be the first person to uh, who would like to edit that out. <laughs> All right, then. So pretend Charlie Austin's getting a nomination. In fact, we could just we can't p- have pretend people in <laughs> for not really getting all gobby on Twitter about Leeds. He called Adam Clayton a twat, but he didn't really. Um, and then he mysteriously disappeared, which he did. Uh, no, if, if Savage had done that, that would be all right. Because I think I thought. Well, then sent... we can not give him the award that we don't actually have to give him, which we won't. Yeah, that's true. Slide. So not pretend Charlie Austin. He's not getting nominated. I'd like to nominate um, Adam Clayton. Um, I know he's regarded as as a god by some, and that some people um, regard Thierry Henry as a god. But when two gods meet. One god should not go around the other god kissing his ass, trying to get his uh, photograph taken with him, and then being in the evening post saying, "Oh, you could just tell he was going to score. He's such a dreamboat." Uh, yeah, have a little respect for yourself, Clayton. Bit can harsh, I, can I but fair. He's got to he's got to learn sometime. It's all part of his education. Can I nominate ESPN for being actually worse than ITV at presenting football? Yeah, and finally, I would definitely like to nominate Harry Kewell. And I'm putting forward quite a lot a number in this particular. He's one. <laughs> Harry Kewell for Crimes Against Sensitivity. This is an interview in what I think is called Football Magazine. I'm not sure which country it's in exactly. How but did they come up? No, carry on. It's called Football Magazine. And he said, Leeds fans were mental. The cop is sensational. I presume he's talking about the Liverpool one there. But Galatasaray fans are on another planet. People want to see skill from me? Question mark. I want to see that from the crowd. Whoa. Right, a couple of things. Firstly... We don't want to tire everybody with the same brush. However, secondly, it's an interview in a football magazine where questions like this are typical. But how much gross insensitivity and poor judgment can you show in one interview to start bigging them up when we lost two of our fans in a team which he was part of? He walked out in that stadium surrounded by riot shields to then go on and say this is an absolute fuck you to Leeds United's fans and to Kevin Spate and Christopher Loftus. So Harry Kuehl, fuck you right back. At least he's won this. He's never won anything else in his career. <laughs> he's, no, he's he's, got he's earned this. He's got a Champions League medal yeah. for that eleven minutes he spent on the pitch, limping off at halftime with that fake injury, three nil down. Yeah. Well, this is one you can add to your collection because I'm overruling any other contest- contestants in this. It's also stupid to pretend that he actually cares at all about who is watching him. As long as those checks keep clearing, yeah. I don't think he really cares. Okay, and after all that uh, lovely chatter, we have got a new magazine coming out. Issue 6 of the Square Ball magazine will be out on the 21st of January. That is the Ipswich match. As always, if you fancy writing something for us, then do so. Get it to us, email it to us. And if you'd like to read more of the Square Ball, you can have a look at our website. That is all at thesquareball.net. And that wraps up this Square Ball podcast number 42. We will return in another couple of weeks. Uh, We look forward to speaking to you then. So bye from me, bye from Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. Don't forget to get in touch. You can send us an email to podcast at thesquareball.net. You can tweet at squareball or get hold of us on Facebook too. As always, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. We will speak to you in a couple of weeks. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.